Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And I'm Pete. Pete. I'm the third one. <laughs> I'm having tech problems. I don't like wearing a gray shirt. Uh, guys, thanks Ooh, so much hard for cut off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for turning out. Uh, just a couple of guys, gray beards. <laughs> as I was talking when I said gray, I was talking about our shirts, not about <laughs> any sort of aging signifier. Well, I will say we talked about this last week at the top of the show, or maybe off camera. I don't know. We've taped about thirty podcasts this week at this point. Uh, but you were mentioning that you have like Doctor Strange stuff going on. Uh, right. Initially, I only had it here, but it is very rapidly starting to go on the other side as well. So I think contagious. What I did is I put a light curse on you, and oh, that's nice. because I want you to welcome. Get strange, get strange along with me, Doctor Strange. Love to do that. I would love to be like Fred Malamud. Is that the guy from uh, the first uh, episode of WandaVision? <laughs> How dare you try to go back and fix that when you've already blown it multiple times? <laughs> uh, so Pete should be back in here shortly. We also have two amazing guests for you. But first, I want to do a little note for the YouTube, for the tube over there and everybody watching. Um, between last week's show and this week's show, we passed 10,000 subscribers over on YouTube. Yes. Um, thank you all for subscribing. Ah. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking stuff out. Uh, that is awesome. Of course, we're very appreciative. The people on Crowdcast, the people listening on audio podcasts as well. Everybody. You're supporting the show. We love everybody. Uh, but just a and and we're going to show it once this pandemic ends. We're going to come and kiss each of you on the lips, all all ten thousand and more of you. I'll tell you what, this is probably a bad idea, but I'm going to do it between between my first vaccination and my second vaccination. Oh, I like those odds. I like those odds. <laughs> I'll, I'll roll the dice. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Listen, while we're still waiting for Pete to get rebooted here, let's bring our first guest into the stream. Uh, yes. He is the writer of Black Cat. King in Black, Taskmaster, and a bunch of other awesome books. That's not him. That's Pete LeBron. <laughs> what a poorly timed entrance. <laughs> uh, but Jed McKay, uh, one of our favorite writers here, Justin in particular, has been loving the Black yes. Cat. So we're very excited to chat with him about it. Uh, he is trying to get in on a phone or something, so we'll see how that all works tech-wise. Tell you what, haven't had great luck so far, but hello, Jed McKay. How are you? Yes. Good. How you guys doing? Is this working Good. all right? Yeah, I think so. All right. So, uh, the volume turned up the, here. The, the plant is going well. Oh, sorry, my dog is plant. confused why I'm talking to people he can't see. <laughs> You're doing great. You look great, Jed. 
I mean, I bring a natural charisma to anything I do. I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into Black Cat, I feel like there's something we need to do to clear the air here. You tweeted about this. You put this out on Twitter when you were announcing the show. You were talking about it. Apparently, I implied once that you were a sellout. I got to be honest. I don't remember this. Uh, oh. Maybe that makes it worse. <laughs> but, it does. But what happened? Uh, let's, let's, let's bring you back here to okay. the year of 2015. The year 2015. The year 2015. Okay. Oh, we're frozen. Yep, you're good. Oh, this is going well. Uh, we could... <laughs> Pete's tech is spreading. Oh, no. I Look, Steve, you, you, Alex, you came out with a gotcha question and you're getting burned. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Uh, Pete, was this all a scam so that you could enter uh, as Jed McKay and do it? Some sort yeah, of well, it, we teamed up to do this Alex takedown. I'm very excited about it, you know? Yeah. Finally putting Alex in his place for all the shit he talks. Yeah, well, that seems fair. Yeah. <laughs> Let me say the computers themselves are rejecting your little revenge plot. Hmm. Yeah, technology is against us. Uh, well, Jed is still accepting and connecting. Do either of you guys remember this? Did he... I don't, but it sounds like you. <laughs> well, I mean, it sounds like a bit, though, to call somebody a sellout. You're a giant sellout. You know what I mean? So, like, sure. well, so it's where would you get off? If anything. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. This guy's a sellout. I love it. And him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just really overall enjoying all of his nut flexes. No <laughs> that was a sellout move, right? You definitely did, and also it's a, it speaks of um, it reeks of desperation when we have a tech issue that you just fall back on your crutch instantly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just busy sucking on a cheesesteak, oh, just going around, uh, just around the different. Oh, Alex, you're out of options. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I went through our two. Uh, That's why no. Zoom Morning Crew DJs have like thousands of sound effects on on command, and not just two that are used only. A very lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what I'm going to do here, and uh, everybody in the audio podcast is going to love this, but I'm going to remove Jed and then invite it back in. Uh, so we'll see if maybe that works. Because I am. That's fine. Excited yeah, we got to find out. This this is what you call a dramatic cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Um. And let me also throw out here, we're professionals. We can just talk. We talk for a living, sort of. Hey, Jed, you're back. And, okay, great. Thank God. <laughs> there, we go. there we go. Back to it. Okay, so we were at the year 2015. Yeah, you had, you uh, had interviewed me for MTV.com. Okay, this makes oh, sense. Yeah. This tracks. Yeah, back when I did the, uh, the Punk Spider-Man, the Hobie Brown one. And uh, oh, yeah. one of your interview questions was, uh, isn't it a bit of a sellout doing uh, like a punk Spider-Man thing for a major corporation, which I mean, of course it was, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it still got my, still got my dander off. Ooh, oh, well, Alex clearly in a bad mood because that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you do this punk character for the corporation? Well, all right. First of all, look at me. I you were working. You were at MTV. I screamed punk. I worked at MTV, which was very cool at the time, <laughs> and not a corporation, if I remember correctly. More yeah, of a mom and so. pop uh, television. Yeah, we kind of yeah. in the middle like, of the yeah, Viacom yeah. building. <laughs> it's it's uh, really. Well, I'm sorry, Jed. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I just, love Punk Spider-Man. No, I, I love teasing it. Too. Uh, let's talk about Black Cat uh, because Black Absolutely. Cat has been great. The whole run of Black Cat has Thank been you. great. The King in Black thing, if folks haven't been picking it up, uh, the second issue comes out tomorrow. But super fun heist thing in the middle of this King in Black event where Black Cat is... This is a spoiler for the first issue, but tasked with stealing Doctor Strange, who has been captured by Null, the god of the symbiotes. And it's a blast. Even if you haven't been picking up the Black Cat title before, I think you could jump right into it. But how how did you get approached for this? Was this just a simple, like, we're doing King in Black. She's named Black Cat. Let's go. <laughs> well, back when uh, COVID hit, um, like, we were basically firing at all cylinders uh, at the beginning of 2020 on Black Cat. Uh, I think I wrote, like, four black hat scripts in January alone. And we just like, just grinding them out and getting them going. And then COVID just kind of like ground everything to a halt. And black cows, one of those books went on hiatus. So uh, we were just kind of like, we were waiting and waiting and waiting for when we can start up again. Cause you know, we've got, we had like a bunch of work already done. We've got a bunch of scripts already written, a bunch of pages already drawn. Um, and finally we got the go ahead and say, okay, we're starting black hat up again. Uh, just a couple of provisos. Like, we're not going to start up with number 13. We're going to do a new number one. And we're not going to do the number 13 that you had planned. We're going to do a three-part King in Black to start it off. So it's it was just one of those things where they say, uh, you know, this is the way we're doing it. So, uh, you know, get gross because it's been a time now. <laughs> wow. But I, I, I do think there is a connection because wasn't uh, wasn't Black Hat dating Spider-Man when he came back from the black, with the black suit back in or, oh, yeah. or around? The, so I think she yeah. has a symbiote connection. Yeah. She's, oh, had, yeah. Sex, she's had sex next to the symbiote <laughs> with, with Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you you, you always think about it, but, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, we get into that a bit in the issues coming out tomorrow. Um, well, tomorrow at the time of recording. Oh, no, we're not recording. It's live. Forget it. Uh, so, yeah, get into that a little bit. Not the having sex next to the symbiote thing. Um, Smart. You have Think about it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, she's, she's got like, a lot of history with it. Uh, also, you know, she encountered Venom back when he was significantly more difficult to be around. Uh, and it did not go well. So, Felicia's not exactly the biggest Venom fan, not exactly the biggest Eddie Brock fan. And we're going to see some of her thoughts on that uh, tomorrow. So awesome. what is your take on Felicia as a character? She's always inhabited this interesting place in the Marvel universe where she's not like, I don't know. I mean, to go talk about another publisher, but she's not like Harley Quinn where she's wacky and wild. She's not a Deadpool where she's cracking jokes. She's a little bit more of a serious thief, but she has fun at the same time. So how do you approach a character like that? How do you structure a story in general? Well, when I sort of approached Felicia like full stop to do the book, I had to kind of figure out what direction to go with her and what kind of like what take to uh, to go with. And I like to do, I mean, I like, I like to have some fun. I like stories that have some jokes, uh, uh, characters being put over their, put in over their heads, uh, clever plans, uh, a lot of sass talk, that kind of thing. I thought Felicia would be a good, um, you know, a, a good, character for that uh i like a lot of like i've mentioned before in other podcasts and stuff but a lot of the crime stuff i like isn't like the super serious uh bleak life of crime kind of stuff i like you know stylish crime stuff where people are having fun and they dress well and they say cool things (laughs) and do exciting things you know Hmm. and that's That's what i wanted to do with this 
like a, you know, like a loop, loop in the third kind of thing, or like, uh, you know, the old Italian job from uh, 1969, uh, anything like that. Yeah. Well, let oh, me, ahead, Justin. well, I've been a huge fan of your run from, from the beginning. And I think it sort of speaks to, you speak to the complexity of the character and uh, tell us, tell the stories in a way where you get to have that variety. Like, I feel like, so like yeah. a, a lot of Batman stories, it'll just be like, Oh, he's serious. So there's nothing fun. The character never doesn't have any nuance because he's just mad all the time. And I feel like Felicia Hardy yeah. can have these philosophical moments, heartfelt moments, funny moments. She cares for her team, but she's also like, we're all uh, dumb thieves. Let's go run. Yeah. <laughs> like I love and, and she's, she's a character you can do a lot with. Like she's, she's brave. Uh, she's, she's also not interested in getting too far over her head if she can help it. Like um, when Blastar and this negative zone goons showed up in issue four, four uh, sorry, end of issue four, beginning of issue five, you know, our first instinct, she's like, okay, well, you know, Johnny Storm, you got this, right? Like we're just, we're just gonna, you know, <laughs> not our thing. Um, yeah, but also, you know, she's someone who's proud and doesn't like it when someone gets one over on her and always wants to, you know, pay someone back they've done her wrong, which we're seeing kind of play out here in King of Black in that a lot of her motivation is, well, you know, I was running a job and this whole business landed on top of it and I'm going to make whoever, you know, screw me over with that, I'm going to make them regret that to whatever extent she actually can do it. Uh, how'd you go building out her crew? I mean, I know there's a holdover from the series from before, but you have some additions, particularly some that we, we saw it in the preview. If you're watching on video that we showed off, uh, Bats from Doctor Strange shows up again. Um, so what was important about building this crew for this Doctor Strange King in Black heist in particular? Well, her crew, I knew, I knew when I was starting out that I wanted Felicia to have uh, like supporting characters. I, I, I thought it'd be interesting for her to have, you know, people around her all the time, people to kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, so we're not stuck in the weeds too much with her just thinking to herself all the time and to, you know, character to react to the things that she does and that kind of thing. And so I went back and I started reading all her appearances. Well, most of her appearances. And the very first time she appears, she's recruiting uh, Bruno Granger and Dr. Boris Corpse. And I was like, shit, that's a gift. Like I'll, t- I'll take them. <laughs> So What's like those guys, oh sorry, go ahead. No, you go, you go. So like I took those guys to begin with. Then uh, I was uh, I was like came up with a mentor character for her, uh, and I was you know in the early stages I was talking to Nick Lowe, the editor, and he's like, well actually I was talking to Nick Spencer about this, and he thought you should use the Black Fox. I was like, well I don't know who that is, but I looked it up. <laughs> I'm like, well this guy's perfect for it. Like and it just like it was such a perfect building block to slot into place. And as time goes on, I just sort of basically pick characters that I like or characters I want to work with. Uh, Bats, the ghost dog, I love him. I think he's great. Um, people are very keen on this, you know, null fellow, but I think Bats is <laughs> the greatest, greatest creator or greatest creation. I think he's fantastic. Like he's a beautiful character. I'd steal him for Black Cat full time if I could. Um, and it's like I, any characters I think might be fun to work with. Like we brought in Beetle, uh, Janice Lincoln, uh, when she was going to Rand Tower, just to have someone else to kind of play off and, you know, bring someone else from the Marvel universe into the story to kind of ground it and root it, like make it part of that shared reality. Uh, what's the status on her um, luck powers? Cause she sort of has that and sort of doesn't have it. Uh, right. What's the, yeah, 
she has them. Um, the long story short is, I think luck powers are a very difficult thing to write. Agreed. If you use them too much, it gets extremely lazy. Yeah. And it's not something I want to rely on too much. Uh, so we, we pepper it in where I think it's interesting, but I generally don't want to hinge every success of hers on a luck superpower just because yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a lazy person and I think that would, <laughs> I would, you know, really fall into the temptation to become an incredibly lazy writer where she's like, Oh, I'm in a bad spot. Oh shit. Banana peel. What up? <laughs> yeah. To be fair, if I were her, I wouldn't be like, well, my luck powers would probably pull through here. It's not the most yeah. reliable thing to think or say. <laughs> Yeah, and for a lot of characters, I find with kind of like lower level skill sets, not skill sets, sorry, uh, power sets. Um, it's and it's something that kind of come, came up when I was writing Taskmaster recently. Is I don't find it as satisfying when a character wins just because they have better superpowers. Yeah. I find it more interesting if they win because they've done something clever, or they've planned something, or they've set something up, or even if you know occasionally they just get lucky. Um, so putting characters in situations where their powers aren't the skeleton key, I think is more interesting for me to write. Yeah. And that's what I love about your run because it feels like Black Hat gets to do, be in all these like larger events and up against like Blastar, like no one would have predicted that. And it, you, you, it works. Like that's, you could see it a run of this where it's just like, and now she's stealing another like gem or something. And it's like, okay, but to, to do, to actually tell Marvel stories, I think is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that was kind of, when I was talking to Nick when we were setting this up, it's something he wanted and suggested we really do is really rooted in the Marvel Universe because that's what seems to have interested a lot of people who maybe wouldn't be interested in the book in the first place. Like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, I, I wasn't interested in this book until, I mean, Cal fucking Surprise Wolverine was in it, like every other <laughs> Marvel book. But, you know... It, it works. Like pe people will pick up that picked up that two issue arc because Chris Anka was drawing it and Wolverine was in it, and yeah. then from there, like, oh, we went back and you know started from number one. Uh, similarly, you know, you get people who are Doctor Strange fans. Well, some of them, uh, they they're like, oh, they're breaking the sanctum. That's interesting. You get people who are Fantastic Four fans, etc. You know, anytime you can bring in someone else, it makes that feel like part of that shared universe but also appeals to a broader range of fans or people who might be looking for, you know, a character they like that they want to see them in a different role. Yeah. Now, it reminds me, I need to Google this Wolverine guy and figure out what, just like what his deal is. You've He's pretty uh, niche. Uh, yeah, you probably have yeah. heard of him. You, you've brought up uh, Nick twice. Are you guys like, do you constantly bounce ideas off of each other or is he someone you go to when you're like writing something like, Hey, I'm thinking about this thing or. Uh, excuse my ignorance. Uh, this is off. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's Nick Lowe, the, uh, the Spider-Man editor. And oh, I thought you, you yeah, said not, not Nick, Nick Spencer, Spencer and then you oh, okay, my fault, my fault. Yeah, no, because, uh, yeah, Spencer and Nick Lowe both came kind of put their heads together and suggested the Black Fox. But when I'm talking about uh, the Nick I talked to, I'm talking about my editor, not uh, okay. Nick Spencer. When I'm talking about Nick, I'm talking about Saint Nick, aka Saint <laughs> Father Christmas. Ah, so that is true. You, you do talk about him a lot. A lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, 
I mean, but when I was talking about that, I'm talking about Nick at night, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk about the King in Black event and just the coordination sure. of it overall, where Black Cat falls in that? You know, we've talked to, we talked to Dottie before he set up the King in Black thing and hinted about it and just talked about, like, leading that sort of thing. And then there's the other titles that are kind of fitting in there and playing an important part, like heisting Doctor Strange is a big deal in the span of the event, but it does feel like something that's also happening to the side at the same time. So how do, how do you hit that? How do you coordinate that? How does that all work for you? Well, the Doctor Strange bit came about when um, I was looking at the, this is the outline that Donnie had put together for King of Black for all the people who are doing their tie-ins and spin-offs and whatnot. Um, and at that point, uh, you know, editors had, pr- had kind of earmarked this Doctor Strange thing that maybe this could be something that Felicia could get involved in. Uh, there are a few other ideas bouncing around, but that's the one we went with. And from there, basically had a very kind of interesting task of kind of doing three things at once, mm-hmm. where we had to uh, have a new number one, so to introduce new readers to a book had to have a black cat book that tells a black cat story. And we also had to, to set up enough King of Black stuff that would, if someone was not reading King of Black or hadn't read King of Black 1, it would make sense without just rehashing and retreading King of Black number one. Uh, so we had several kind of needles to thread on that one, which was a huge pain in the ass writing that first issue. Uh, it was uh, a challenge for sure. Um, and I mean, you know, it's... It's it's you know it's good to be challenged. I, I'm, I'm better for it. But um, once that was, first issue was done and kind of like out of the way, then it was a lot easier for two and three where it's you know just straight ahead black cat story. Um, if if you don't know what King of Black is at that point, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. But like <laughs> we kind of we, kind of, we put as much as we had to in that first issue. That should see you through. Uh, at two and three is like straight up black cat. Uh, I did want to ask you about Taskmaster. You mentioned that earlier. This is a really yeah. fun, different take on the title. Uh, you know, we've had him bounce around the Marvel Universe for a really long time. There was the Fred Van Linty series back in the day that had its specific focus. This is definitely a very different focus. Uh, what was the germ of the idea for this? Why? What sparked with you about Taskmaster as a character? Uh, well, this was actually... One of the, because when you get a job for a book, you're given kind of different levels of direction or like what's expected for it. Mm-hmm. So when I got Black Cat, for instance, they said, "Hey, you want to do a Black Cat book?" I said, "Well, yes, of course." And <laughs> like, great, go go put together a Black Cat book, and we'll we'll see you you know next week. Whereas with Taskmaster, <laughs> uh, I got an email from Chris Robinson, who's the editor for it at the time. He said, uh, "Do do you have time to do another book?" I'm I'm putting together this Taskmaster book, and here's kind of like the specific things I want in it. So Chris had a pretty, I mean, it wasn't totally dialed in, but he had the, kind of the broad strokes of what he wanted. He's like, okay, um, Maria Hill's going to be dead. Taskmaster's going to be framed for it. And he's got to meet these different spies. Like, how can you put those bits together? It was basically like, here's a recipe. I want you to make it into a meal. Mm. Wow. Uh, and Tasty. that's, you know, that's pretty, there you go. That's where Taskmaster came from. Wow. Cool. Right. Uh, what else do you have going on? Is there anything else you want to plug before we let you go, Jed? Yeah, I have um, the Black Cat number two is coming out tomorrow. Uh, part two of three of our King of Black saga. 
Um, coming up in the future, we've got Black Hat 3 next month is going to finish that off. We've got Avengers Mech Strike, number one, starting up, which is uh, pretty balls-to-the-wall uh, Avengers in robots fighting monsters story uh-huh. with some really amazing art by Carlos Manio. Um, That's awesome. I have a story in Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood uh, called Red Planet Blues. Wolverine goes to Mars. Huh. And oh yeah, Taskmaster. Task Taskmaster number three is out next month too, where uh, Taskmaster goes to South Korea, where we see um, uh, the White Fox, and we also get a uh, first appearance of a new Korean superhero. So collectors, watch out! Awesome. Cool. Uh, Jed, and then I, someone, oh god, oh no, so that's it. Oh good, all right. Well, that's certainly plenty of stuff, uh, and we're excited to read all of it. Uh, once again, Black Hat has been awesome. Can't wait for everybody to read the second issue tomorrow. Thanks so much for coming on, and and let me yeah. speak for Alex when I say keep selling out as hard as you possibly can. <laughs> it's honestly it's gone very well for me so far, so I, I see no reason to change. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Jed. Jed. Love Have the book. All right. Thanks for having uh, me on, guys. Later. Take care. All right. Once again, Jed McKay, uh, he is the writer of Black Cat. Issue two comes out tomorrow. <clears throat> Taskmaster, also from Marvel, uh, coming out very soon. And that's a hey, lot of fun as well. Yeah. Zalbin, is that going to be on the stack tomorrow? Uh, the Black Cat book? Sure. Yeah. Is. Thanks for the plug, Pete. That'll come cool. out on the Comic Book Club feed and also the it's dedicated stack feed at 9 a.m. on it's Wednesday. Like, it's like Pete read our newsletter for the very first time. And it's <laughs> I go, great to be here. That. I got to say, that's one of my favorite uh, parts of the show. When Pete, I, I appreciate that he was ahead of it this time because normally it's like, what? Yeah. You guys are doing that? We're like, we had a whole conversation. <laughs> that's right. Let's welcome our second guest into the stream. One of our favorite guys to have here. And we are yeah. having him once again. He is the writer of Conan the Barbarian, among many other things, Jim Zub. Always one of our favorite guests to have here. Woo-hoo. And uh, Coden has been away for a while, but it's coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Sub. Hey, Hello. We How are you? You guys didn't want Jed and I both on at the same time, lest there be too much Canadian content. Oh, my God. Jim oh. <laughs> Hortons you know. would start pulsing. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Well, Jed, if you're still on, you're still watching. I know you're a sellout, but I love the book, so it's <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. the spirit. Well, if I'm you from... guys, by the way, I got to plug. Uh, the first book that really got Jed on my radar was Daughters of the Dragon, and uh, uh, that that yeah. miniseries is awesome. If you guys it haven't read great. it, it is like pure caper material. Mm, it's yeah. really, really well done, and uh, just knock me out. It's really sharp stuff. The guy loves capers. He does. He's good <laughs> at it too. I'm jealous of his caper writing abilities. It's Just to good. be clear, we're not talking about the small things that are kind of like olives. We're talking. That's about- right. He also <laughs> loves those capers. Oh, those yeah. are great. <laughs> Nothing better than a caper caper. That's uh, right. Jim, let's talk Conan. So this has yeah, been man. away for a while. We're finally getting back into it with Conan 19 is coming out January 26th. No, no, no. Timing is off. Uh, oh my gosh. It's number 18 comes out oh. on the 20. Is it the 26th? No, it's 27th uh on the, that's next about. week yeah yeah but uh yeah conan uh what had a big pause in the middle i know joe was talking about the same thing with black cat um we had a six month uh gap on conan so i got my dream comic series to work on get to work on the Shumerian and and all the hyborian age and all that stuff and then i had two issues come out and then stop <laughs> so yeah, it was like the most excruciating thing i had a bunch of uh, scripts in the can we got the artwork all uh done on it and uh just been in this holding pattern we came back monthly starting in october and uh we're basically wrapping up this arc uh next week 
I'm really, really pumped for it. That's from, yeah, that's uh, uh, from our first issue. Uh, the trade's called Into the Crucible, and that will be available, I think, in collection in March, but it's obviously available now in single issues in Comixology. Really, really proud of the book. Got to bust out just this real, it's got ingredients of a classic Conan story, but I think with some fun twists that um, I hadn't seen before, and with a character who has hundreds of comic stories under their belt, I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, one of the things we did is I put Conan in this part of the world that he's never been before. And we have him talking to people, well, interacting with people, but they have uh, uh, their own language. And unlike most kind of comics, we don't just do the translation with the square brackets. So Conan has basically got to figure things out by body language and by the minimal translation he's receiving from others. Uh, otherwise, he's kind of in the dark and people are manipulating him and messing with him and fucking him around in all sorts of amazing ways. And we put him in this kind of uh, dungeon full of uh, it's like a death tournament. And he ends up going to all these people that you see here in the in the screenshot there. He's basically in a competition against them. Only one can emerge alive and it's going to get really, really ugly. Well, so, to that point, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, reading through a bunch of the code and stuff, it, it definitely varies, but are there, w how do you hit the content rating is, I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like, there's oh, some man. Pretty, pretty brutal stuff that happens, and then there's other yes. times when it feels like it pulls back a bit. So how do you hit that line, particularly? Um, we were, I mean, I've topic. been pretty lucky that we've been able to get away with some crazy stuff. There's one <laughs> issue in the first storyline where a character gets their fingers chopped off and it's right on panel. And I thought, well, we're going to have to just, you know, infer that. But lo and behold, we were able to get away with it. I think it depends on the type of violence that we're talking about. Uh, I know that, um, you know, Conan Properties and, and Marvel can get a bit squeamish on some of the stuff. I always try and write to the line of what I think is appropriate for Conan and then tell them to stop. Like, th th let them tell me it's too much yeah. rather than trying to curb myself. I think we're in a different spot, though. You know, when the, the Savage Sword of Conan series in the 70s and 80s was coming out, the black and white magazine, that was where you got your kind of untethered you know, Conan violence and, and a little bit of sexy time or whatever. And now it's like, we can get away a lot more in the mainstream book uh, than you used to be able to on the regular monthly. So we can't go like obviously nudity, uh, but we can infer a lot. Like there's, there's some sexy times in into the crucible, our, our first, uh, you know, uh, arc there. And, uh, yeah, and he's mostly of... shirtless. He's not, he's wearing like a loincloth a lot. Oh, like, sure. Like, but no, I'm saying like you he, want, he Alex. actually had sex with people. Like he's not just naked or, or like showing his chest off. I mean, sure, the, the beefcake is good or whatever, but like that's not the, that's not the <laughs> yeah. point, and right? It's, that's a little bit of a tease because that's the title of your next arc is The Beefcake is Good. You know? Sure, The Beefcake, beefcake is Good. The Beefcake is now, Good. Now, but, uh, now the, uh, now that I think about it, though, maybe that is a good. No, no. Um, <laughs> it's like it's 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 a it's an amazing book to work on in that regard. And the long kind of history that you've got, you're trying to do something different with the violence or trying to shock people and surprise them. And so every so often, I think to myself, I mean, I think this is Conan worthy. And you kind of write something and then wait for someone to stop you. And if you're able to get away with it, uh, that's even better, you know. Like, and I've gotten away with a lot. Like the opening here for. Um, uh, this is the the gambler. This was sort of yeah. This was a very creative, interesting take. Thank like, you. I didn't yeah. know I wanted to see Conan like sit down and play some cards. Play cards. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. so here's a sequence at the bottom of this page that happens to be covered by our heads. 
perfect. You you censored it for us. There's yeah. a guy getting getting his face like chopped right through the face with a sword, which is really nasty stuff. We got away with it with a bit of extra black for on the frame. Like I think um Zerko's original drawing is a bit more, a bit more giblety, if you will. Um, and we got away with some with some well, well-chosen silhouettes. I'm super proud of this uh this this two-parter, what three-parter, sorry. What happened was I pitched this idea for the gambler. It's the story that I've kind of had in my head for ages, putting Conan in a situation where he's in over his head. And he can't just slash his way out. He's stuck in this gambling hall that's like anything goes over the top, real uh, decrepit and messed up place. Uh, what you're seeing here is like in the cellar. It's almost your jab of the hut kind of monster yeah. beneath the, the the gambling hall kind of thing where they throw debtors that don't pay, you know, off their due in the gambling hall. And we had a ton of fun uh, putting this concept together. And I thought this was going to be kind of my only chance to write Conan on a solo basis. So previously I wrote Conan, uh, co-wrote a mini series with Gail Simone. I want to say 2015, we did Conan Red Sonja with Dynamite and Dark Horse. Uh, and yeah. then I wrote Conan again in Avengers No Road Home, which was a ton of fun. And um, I thought, man, that's, I get to write one of my favorite characters. This is amazing. But, but in both cases, those are co-writing opportunities. Yes, I did write the vast majority of Conan stuff there, but on the cover, there's multiple writers' names and I have a big ego. So I wanted to have one that was just, <laughs> just my name in the writer spot. This is what I think is a pure Conan, you know, story. This is how I would do it straight. No weird team ups, no Avengers, just like pure Hyborian age kind of stuff. And so I pitched this idea to Mark Besso, who's the editor on Conan books at Marvel. He really liked it, passed it to Conan Properties. They loved it. And they love that idea of the gambling hall and the card game so much. They're actually going to be creating, they've created a Serpent's Bluff card game. And oh, those wow, graphics wow. in the comic are going to be used in the card game that they're going to publish. Wow. So ah, I'm super proud exciting. of that. Yeah. So I thought that was my mic drop. That's a Conan story. Okay, I've done it. You know, I'm done. I'm out. I did it. Cool, man. I can be really proud. Not realizing it was basically going to be like an audition. Like, I didn't know that Jason was wrapping up his run on the monthly book and they were actively starting to look for a writer right as I finished up The Gambler. And so Conan Properties had me, you know, all of a sudden I was right in front of them. And then this idea came to do a crossover with a bunch of Robert E. Howard characters, which is where Serpent War came from. So you've got uh, Solomon Kane and Dark Agnes, this character of James Allison, Moon Knight and, and Conan all together in this crazy story we did called Serpent War. I sent in the first script for that. I worked really hard on that book. It's crazy amount of crisscrossing literary stuff. And yeah. when the script came in, my editor said, hey, I need to call you. And I thought, oh, God, they hate uh -oh. it. Oh, the no. They, if it's, a, it's an email, I'm fine. But if it's a phone call, that means they don't want to say the bad news. And I'm like getting really nervous. I'm like, i got to defend this story. But I, I sent it to him an outline. I don't understand why they wouldn't like it. And he says they absolutely love it. CB loves it. Everyone loves it we want you to know if you want to take over, you know, Conan the Barbarian. And I was just, what the hell just happened? Like, it's completely <laughs> yeah. reversed of fortune. It's not the worst thing. It's the best thing, you know. So did you play it cool on the phone or was it just I did of, not like, say ooh, yes ooh. on that call. Uh, oh, wow. I actually waited about there 24 hours before I said yes. 
and the, and the reason the reason why is because I was co-writing Iron Man with Dan Slott at the time. I had lined up a bunch of other comic writing outside of Marvel, some video game writing, and some um, development work I've been doing with Dungeons and Dragons. And my slate was very full. And I thought, man, I don't want to take Conan and then fuck it up. But I don't want to do anything less than my best. It's a dream character for me. It's a bucket list kind of of book. I need to a clear my plate and clear my head and make sure I grab this thing you know, with both hands. And that's, that's what I did. So I took a day, kind of put my ducks in a row, made sure I understood the schedule, talked to Dan and, and Tom Brevoort about leaving Iron Man and then grabbed Conan, both, both hands, head butted it, you know, punched yeah. out the can and all the things. Tore your, tore your shirt off, baby right. oil, got your throat and, out. And then just went buck. And then, and then COVID hit and we had a huge pause, but, <laughs> but perfect. the book is back in a big way and I'm super proud of it. Um, issue 19, which is going to be coming late February, early March. I don't know the exact timing. Uh, we have a new regular artist on the series, Corey Smith, and he is phenomenal. He is doing like the best pages of his career. The book looks amazing. We've got Wait, crazy plans. Can I, can I show off the pages that you Yes. Yeah, right? please do. Okay, yeah, totally. And, um, it, it, it's just the best stuff. Wow. Uh, there's there's apes. I mean, it's you yeah. know it's classic. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be scrapping with apes. Uh, it, it, the book looks so good. Uh, Conan is in Katai, which is sort of the far east. Wow. He's had very few adventures there over the many many years, and so we got to build out an area of the world that has not been defined very well. We got to do some crazy cool wow. uh, shit uh. with the story, right? And we got away uh, with that. That's pretty good stuff. Yeah. It's coming Conan, at you. Conan in a cage, uh, stabbing a giant gorilla through the head with a spear. So, it's glorious. Yeah. yeah, you want this? It's uh, it's a sweet, <laughs> glorious. Sweet That's what it book. is. It is it is glorious. It's right. Uh, so it yeah, I'm super proud of how well it's coming together. This arc is like. I, don't get me wrong. I think Into the Crucible, it was tons of fun, but it's like we've hit our stride now with the series in a way that I am so, so proud of. And it, whether or not you've ever read the Conan book before, whether or not you've read the classic stuff or the original Robert E. Howard, we're making just like a visceral, cool, badass adventure. And if you love that stuff, if you've been collecting or if you're a longtime fan of the Roy Thomas stuff, any of those things, uh, I think you're going to get a lot out of it and really dig into what we got coming because it's a uh, it's a joy. So I I would I would like to back up the truck a little bit, sure, and, and talk about the gambler. Like you talk about it being a mic drop moment when I read we, that. Got to know when to hold them, please. Yeah. yeah, when I read that, I was kind of like, "Wow, Zubhub <laughs> killed that ending." That, Thanks, the man. way the way everything kind of ties in because it gets a little yeah. weird at parts. Oh yeah. Like, why are you tricky. saying that? Yeah. And why is that happening? But man, the way it ties in, I, uh, you said mic drop and I wanted to completely agree with oh, you. Thank you. You, yeah, after cool. that story, like I, you deserve the, you oh, know, thanks, to be able to dude. Do it. like I said, it was like, I poured all of myself into that three part because I thought that was my only chance to do the solo like thing. And so I did the like real intense Roy Thomas-esque kind of captions and the big, like writing for Conan's different from even other fantasy comics I've written. The way captions get used in particular, I think are really unique. And Roy yeah. uh, set this tone of the combat is not sound effect driven and Conan's not a big talker. He's not going to quip like oh, yeah. Spider-Man or something. So you don't just want to have clang, clang, ugh, you know, like there's nothing there. So what you need is you have, the, it's like everything slows down in the best kind of Zack Snyder way. And you get this sort of visceral combat and you're hearing about 
information, the pumping of blood through people's veins, the clash of steel, you know, uh, uh, how many ways can you write sinew tensing and like all this stuff. And, and it gives you this appreciation where you're, you kind of hang on every panel and you absorb that combat like it's happening in this very visceral slow-mo kind of way. And it makes it all feel cooler and it makes it. And so I'm sitting there thinking about how many ways can I describe you know, blood, how many ways can you describe <laughs> muscles? So you, try, you have to sort of push yourself into other areas. So I end up describing like smells or like, you know, the, the feeling of the gra you know, gravel under feet or, or, you know, the temperature in the air. You're just like, you're, you're looking around for that other sensory information to bring wow. something that isn't coming through in the artwork. Not that the artwork's not great. It is amazing, but you're like extra, yeah something and it, it's changed the way i write in a good way it's made me uh think harder about just turns of a phrase to make them feel interesting and pull out different sort of thought processes in in as you read a page and so uh i tried to do that as much as possible with the gambler and then it was like getting the chance to do it again in serpent war and then taking over the monthly books like oh man now this is kind of my jam like i love this stuff so much it's going to be hard may my Conan run never end, but you know, when I stop like to not want to have one of those books where you're, where you're describing stuff in cool, funky yeah. ways, you know? So uh, we've uh, got a question blowing up yeah. on the side here. Is that true? Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. um, uh, why is Conan always drawn with bangs? <laughs> <laughs> because it does, it does. It sort of asks the question, is he constantly like trimming up or what's I, the deal? He must be, you know, it's, it must be, uh, so the Shumerians have a very specific hairstyle clearly, you know, uh, his people i don't know i don't know exactly <laughs> i think, I think but, Conan uh, invented he invented the pandemic cut is what he must have yeah, he just yeah. does it with the sword and just mm -hmm. sort of mm -hmm. hacks a piece off here and there man uh you know it's so yeah it's so crazy every time i say uh someone asked me what i'm working on or what's going on uh, or friends of mine are like, oh, I heard you're doing some writing. And I said, anything I would know? And I say, Conan the Barbarian. Like, that is, uh, feels so good, you know? It's such a cool thing to be able to to be a part of and uh, to be building outward uh, on and on. It's been such a, such a cool ride. I, I mean, all the books, the last few years have been a really surreal experience. Everything from Dungeons and Dragons to, you know, Avengers, uh, Champions, all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rick and Morty, you know, like, just bizarre, bizarre things. Uh, to so. take it a little back, actually, we have a comment over on YouTube from Jason Williams. He says, hey, Jim, Samurai Jack is next in my queue to read through. Can't wait. Oh, man. That Samurai wow. Jack book, in some ways, saved my comic career. So, <laughs> wow. I, uh, yeah, I was doing, uh, I had done a couple small things. Skull Kickers was my breakout book in Image. Yeah. But it was, it was a niche book. Like, for a lot of people, it, you know, I get so many great comments about the book and people who love my fantasy writing who have never read it because they came on board with D and D or they've come on board with Conan or, or, or whatever uh, Pathfinder that I did at dynamite, you know, stuff like that, that had a much bigger, um, you know, built in audience and they don't know that skull kickers kind of came first and, and set the template for a lot of that. But um, I had done a little bit of superhero stuff here and there and everything just seemed to dry up. I didn't have anything on the go editors weren't responding to you know uh me reaching out i had nothing kind of in the queue except for just sort of chipping away at skull kickers and then the opportunity came to pitch on samurai jack and the samurai jack book was a bake-off that's a term we use in in mm -hmm. a bunch of industries entertainment industries where a bunch of writers are pitching against each other it's like a you know it's oh, the best wow. 
it's the most it's the most calms chill thing to do it's awful (laughs) awful and you feel like you want to win of course and you're going in for blood and you're just like you you pitch your heart out on it and i was uh a last minute kind of addition because i had talked to idw about a different project uh it fell through and so I had a line on with that editor. I thought I was going to be doing a superhero project that fell through. I reached out to this IDW editor and he said, oh, well, that original project you were going to do isn't happening anymore, but we're taking pitches on Samurai Jack. The problem is I need, I need pitch like Monday. And this was like Friday afternoon. And I'm thinking I have two days to pull yeah. the game. Yeah. Fun weekend. Right. So watch, <laughs> some of your, watch some of your favorite episodes, you know, crank away on it and, and get this pitch in Monday morning. And I slipped mine in uh, the, at the very last second. And then that was the one they went with. So, uh, and then that series did really well and was really well regarded. And that kind of yeah. put me back on right. people's radar where they were like, okay, maybe this guy knows what he's doing sort of sometimes, you know? Yeah. I mean, winning a bake-off, not easy. It's not, you know, I've done a bunch of them. Uh, I've won a bunch and I've lost a bunch. And But I think when it, if you do a good job at a bake-off, even if you don't win it, ideally what you do is you impress an editor in the sense of yeah. this person has good ideas, they have professionalism. They're worth keeping in mind for future things, you know what I mean? Which is also good too. So it's not always just about, I mean, as much as you want to say go for the throat and win the thing, of course, but uh, it, it can also just be a good way to, you can show, you can place you know what I mean? In, in, yeah. in a way. So, uh, yeah. Just to get back to Conan before we start to wrap up here. So this is leading up to issue 25, which is also right. technically issue 300. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So Legacy Legacy 300 will be our, I think, September or October issue. It's issue 25 of the current run. The old original Marvel run ended at 275. So thanks to the power of legacy numbering, we'll be hitting uh, anniversary issue 300, which is amazing wow. so wow. Uh, i've never done one of those big anniversary issues i've never had the opportunity uh let alone on one of my favorite characters so we're uh, building some some big cool things into the pipeline and uh cory and i are are just like i said full steam ahead doing some really cool stuff and that 300 one i actually was talking to my editor like a couple days ago just about you know finalizing some of the pieces on how it's all going to work and some of the cool surprises we got uh, in the mix there. It is going to be awesome. Uh, we are really pumped for it. It's great. Nice. Uh, we got another two questions for you. This is one sure. on YouTube. Scott Carpenter says, thoughts on working with Philip Kennedy Johnson for Conan uh, versus Aliens? Oh, man. Ah. So uh, it's so funny. As soon as the the Aliens and the Predator stuff got announced at Marvel, a bunch of people tweeted me and go, Conan, Conan Predator, Conan Aliens. <laughs> and I was like, I'm down, man. I'm down anytime. I don't think that's corny at all. Like, you know, Savage Avengers, that way of putting Conan in the Marvel Universe, Jerry's doing a great job on it. And um, it's a fun place to experiment and do messed up stuff. I would never do that stuff in the main monthly book because I feel right. like that needs to be the high boring age sure. pure you're never going to have wolverine show up there you're never going to do the crossover craziness but but those other books man have fun uh, yeah. jerry did conan 2099 like fucking cool that's great it was yeah. a lot of fun i don't even know if i could have pulled that off that was great stuff man you know mm-hmm. and so for me yeah you want to do a mini series you want to have conan fucking with taking on the predator let's go like this will be great you want to have them messing up aliens sure you know it's going to be cool and crazy and something you've never seen before and something you'll probably never see in any other medium i would be uh i would be thrilled it would be an absolute blast to bring 
you know, and, and not just do it. If you're going to do these crossovers and take it from the guy that did Rick and Morty versus Dungeons and Dragons, you get, you got to dig under the surface. You can't just do the obvious kind of stuff. You got to do deep cuts and do weird twists on it so that readers don't see what's coming next. Cause if you just do the, okay, they fight and Conan wins. You're like, well, fucking, so what? You know, like, how, can I, how can I blow your mind? How can I do some weird deep cut to the, to the lore or to the stuff or some mix up you didn't see coming that'll just knock your ass off. That is the stuff that you should be doing with those crossovers because comics is the place where we do that and no one, no one else can, you know? So, yeah, I just want to, because you brought it up. Uh, I think the last time we had you on was pre stranger things, dungeons and dragons. And oh, cool. Read yep. the first couple of issues. Uh, I know you tease this anyway, but we talked about this on our stack podcast. I love how it's a love letter to Dungeons and Dragons. Is, yeah. Yeah. You tease that, and I was like, "All right, we'll see." We'll see. <laughs> Which is wonderful. Thanks, man. It's wonderful to read. Yeah, that book's been such a joy. Jody has been doing all you know the Stranger Things comics at Dark Horse for years, and she knows those characters so well. And so I felt so comfortable with like, look, I can just grognard on the D and D stuff really hardcore and have fun with it. And you just tell me if I'm out of the out of my lane in terms of character stuff. And uh, we got along great. We actually game together. We tabletop game together almost every week, Jody and I. Uh, uh, we got a group of us. It's a bunch of Dark Horse people and some other comic book freelancers. And we all, um, we've got this kind of rolling tabletop game that we play. And we're not streaming it. And it's not for public consumption. It doesn't have to be performative. It's just us hanging out. It's so much fun. Um, and Jody and I get along great. And the Stranger Things book has been so much fun to put together. Um, and it is. The the third issue is out now. The fourth one is coming. I don't have a date on it. It's got to be in the next three weeks, I think, two to three weeks, because I think three came out last week. Don't quote me on it. Um, yeah. But that fourth issue, I think, is we deliver a real punchy ending. Um, it ends up wrapping up the stuff from third season and a little bit of spoilers on on Stranger Things, you know, uh, at the very end of it, uh, Will is going to be moving away and he's going to give up his D&D books and all this stuff. And we sort of build a real emotional core around that, the end of the campaign and the group uh, wow. and everything that they've That's been awesome. through and and that they have to wrap up the in-character story as well. So how, you know, who lives, who dies, you know, how's it all going to come together? And uh, I was amazed some of the stuff we got away with when we pitched it over to Netflix and the Stranger Things team. And I thought, they're not going to let us do that in the comic. They're not going to let us put such a button on some of the D and D isms in there. And they did, they really, because it was emotionally resonant, they were down with it. And that's, you know, that's, that's what right. we, why we do this stuff is because we want to tell cool, relevant stories. You don't just want to feel like you're squeezing between the, you know, the points like that. You're just barely there, you know? And, and so getting to do something that I think stands on its own, but also resonates with the show. Uh, yeah. It's been awesome. And the Wizard of the Coast people are always so kind and supportive and let me just be the biggest goober uh, of excitement <laughs> in and around their stream. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you touched yeah. on this one a little bit. This is for the Crowdcast comments. Belal Alalian says, Jim, I love the passion you have for Conan. Does Jerry Dugan ask for any tips on how to write Conan in his Savage Adventures? <laughs> I mean, Jerry and I have chatted on the phone a couple of times, but it actually wasn't about Conan stuff. It was just about other industry kind of things. I mean, he knows... I, you know, he knows the character and he has a, everyone has their own take on it, right? Like Jason writes his Conan and I write mine and Roy writes his 
and Robert E. Howard writes the correct canon stuff. <laughs> and, and, and so I'm, I hew towards certain things that I feel fit best. You know what I mean? I, I do hew pretty close to some of the, the, the original pros and Roy's take because that's what I grew up with. Um, so it's not, you know, I think Jerry does a great job particularly when you're framing Conan against these other Marvel characters. And so he's got a good take on it where Conan has some of those classic traits that you recognize, but he has to allow for a bit, little bit more flexibility because yeah. Conan's interacting with technology. And I mean, if you just did fish out of water 24 seven, it would get actually annoying. Yeah. What is this? It's a car. What's what is this? This is a 40 story building. What is yeah. this? That's a gun. Like, it would just be a it, this is an iPhone eight as exactly. opposed to a seven. So at some point, you just have to kind of okay, yeah. There's a bunch of shit I don't understand. Let's go. What I really want to see is, you know, Conan kicking ass back to back with Black Panther, and I want to see him, you know, decking this villain and and getting into trouble over here. And that's that's the correct answer. You know what I mean? Is it real? Is it is it true to the to the pros and how a real character from the Hyborian would act in the modern maybe? I don't know. Is it entertaining as hell? Yes. You know, well, that's the that's beauty of it. That's the beauty of the characters, like the flexibility, like yeah, yeah. all across the board. You can almost put him anywhere. I mean, even the in in the own his own mythology, like he's yeah. king. He's king at times. He's right. Well, he's, the king, he's the king by his own hand later yeah. in his career. But you know, I, and some people, I think they get worried. They go, "Well, I haven't read much Conan. Can I read your book?" I'm like, "Dude, there's You'll less, get it. <laughs> there's less strings here than Spider Man or Batman. Like, his supporting cast usually dies at the end of each story arc, and that woman he screws is not going to be there in six months. So, just like it's a new fantasy adventure, he's in a new place. This guy's a bit of a badass. He's a survivor. He's a sellsword." He, he has the strength and the guile to become a king by his own hands. And you're watching a different part of his life when he's young, when he's in his prime, when he's king, all these things, right? So it's way easier than Batman to get into or whatever. No offense to James and all the guys doing Batman, which is a great book, but it's like the, the continuity tethers are simple. You can just dive in and go, oh, okay, this is when he's... Uh, you know, Queen of the Black Coast. So he's on a pirate ship and yeah. they're going around whipping ass and he's got a cutlass and boarding ships and busting brains in. Like, that's it. That's all you need to know. It's, uh, it is a good time, you know, fantasy adventure. That's well, all uh, to that point, and I think you kind of just answered this, but Joe asked in the comments, with Conan, are you allowed to break the pre-existing continuity of the novels in any way? So, no, in the broader sense that the novels are canon, right? So I would never put something in the comics that directly contradicts what's in the, the books. Now, there's ways around that because the books cover such fleeting moments of his overall career, and they actually don't fill out a lot of that history. They'll have bits and pieces that are crucial and characters that are crucial. But, you know, uh, in and around that, there's so much wiggle room, uh, how long certain things took. We have a broader sense, you know, but you can cheat some of the travel times and where he is at certain points of his life. Uh, um, I refuse to allow any cheated travel. <laughs> I want to see him walk. I want to see every turn. You know, of the exactly. Week. And when we do Spider-Man, we plug it into a calendar. And we make sure that every time Christmas shows up, that that is a correct <laughs> no, Christmas. Right. And that's why Spider-Man is actually 70 years old. And, you know, that's, <laughs> and that's why the Simpsons have gone through every Halloween and Christmas. And, you know, there's so there's latitude in that broader sense of like, I can put him in a certain place in a certain age 
and and backfill in certain things like that. Um, you know, if I'm going to tear his eye out, I better put it back. You know, like stuff. But that but that would be true of Batman as well. You know, like good words to live by, right? And so you you kind of you try and hew to the books, but I don't want to feel like that's all I've got because otherwise it is so limiting in the in the broader sense of it, as inspirational and amazing as it is. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go, that's certainly a lot of projects that we've talked about, but anything yeah. else coming up that you want to plug? Um, Max Dunbar and I are doing Stone Star at uh, Comixology Originals. It's a space fantasy series with a slightly younger tone. It's colorful and adventurous and bombastic and over the top. Uh, Max is doing some of the absolute best artwork of his career. He is phenomenal. For years, I wondered why Marvel and DC hadn't tapped him. And then the minute I get a high-profile project with him, it's like <laughs> he gets snow stolen away. He finished up Stone Star. He's already done drawing the, the second arc, and he's over at DC doing a Batman project now. So uh, he is uh, he's crushing it. That guy is is just the best. And I would never say that publicly. Oh, wait. A <laughs> now, I always give him a hard time. He is phenomenal. He's Canadian. He's used to it. Um, this Canadian lot yeah, yeah, of the industry. We run this damn that place. place sometimes. Sounds right? Like um, I've got um, the Young Adventurers Guide series I do for Dungeons and Dragons. My wife and I co-write this series that's uh, built to bring like eight to twelve-year-olds into Dungeons and Dragons. Teaches them the precepts of role-playing games and how this stuff all works. It's sort of like an ingredient book full of uh, brand new artwork and all kinds of fun ideas. Um, it gets sold in the book clubs, and you can buy it in all the bookstores. They've got now a gift set of the first uh, four that you can get at a really great price. And we get photos from little kids clutching their Young Adventures Guides books like every week. And it, it oh, uh, fills me great. full of life. Um, oh, I think nice. out of all the things I've worked on, that may end up having the largest ripple effect over the course of it because I can't talk exact sales numbers. They've done very well. And uh, we they've been published in like six languages. And so oh, I literally get photos of little French children and uh you know with the books and playing and parents telling me that their kids are playing D&D at the table with them and that uh we're doing something great so if you haven't seen those please check them out uh we're really really proud of them and we got more in the hopper on those as well that's awesome, awesome. Cool. Jim thank you so much for coming on so great talking to you always a pleasure man thank congratulations you congratulations on everything take care of yourselves and uh yeah. feel free to call me a sellout anytime that's spirit <laughs> it yeah. <laughs> All right, Jim's uh, up, everybody. Uh, oh, having him on. The, so good. The uh, Zub Hub. Check out uh, Code of the Barbarian. 18 is coming out soon, as well as uh, Stranger Things, Dungeons and Dragons, and all the rest of the stuff that he's working on. And folks, we're going to move on to our next section, which is my favorite section, because you all make it up. It's your audience questions. Yeah. And for audience questions, all you got to do, if you're over on YouTube, the tube, just drop a question in the comments. I'm going to keep an eye on it. Also, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like there. We always like that. Crowdcast, I see a bunch of you have already dropped questions and asked a question. Um, that's the way to do that. So we'll go to them. But let's kick it off, as we always do, with what you're drinking. What you're uh, drinking. What you're drinking. Pete, what rocket fuel fuel are you drinking tonight? Let's I don't know. It's hitting him a little hard. He's having a yeah, little. Yeah, it went down the wrong tube. Uh, you know, I'm still working on this Christmas bottle that I got here. Well, that's Vodka. good. Just to, yeah. just to clarify. When you said you went down the wrong tube, are you pouring it right into your butthole or in another <laughs> tube? You you know when you're drinking something and it accidentally goes down the wrong tube? 
Mm-hmm. You didn't specify. <laughs> you didn't specify. You didn't actually answer that question. You made it seem like <laughs> you're not purposefully not saying which two. I, uh, if you're wondering if I'm butt chugging, then yes, yes, I am. Oh, I nice. knew it. All show log. <laughs> Fantastic. He's more butt sipping. Let's be honest. Oh yes. come on. Wait, what are you drinking with? Are you drinking straight vodka? Because you had a big clear glass going on there. Yeah, it's vodka and soda water. Oh, okay. Nice, Justin. What do you got? I'm drinking a Modelo Especial. Just a little classic sipper. Uh, I picked up a Five Burrows Brewing Company Winter IPA, which I I can't tell what's winter about it. But it's, it's, uh, It's the season you're drinking it in. There you go. I think it's just a little less lemony than a regular IPA. Yeah, I mean, you want an actual Christmas tree to grow out of it or something, right? I would love that. You want Santa Claus to pop out and kiss you right on the Saint nose. Saint Nick. Yeah. Saint yeah. Nick, okay? Yeah. Uh, this is over on YouTube. Bandito740 says, being consummate comic journalists, have you seen any news regarding a rumor that HBO Max is continuing Batman the Animated Series? What? <laughs> Rumors. That's a rumor. Uh, That's a rumor. Um, I mean... That would be wild. How would they... Uh, difficult to reassemble that team, obviously. Is it? Isn't no, it? I don't know. I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, Paul Dini is doing the online comics, right? And, yeah. And uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill will do Batman and Joker, whatever. Mm-hmm. So they got that. And anybody can draw it. You can just do that in a computer nowadays. Oh. Wow, Alex, wow. you are a sellout. <laughs> um, I mean, that would be exciting. I, I'm curious where where they pick it up because it sort of frayed a little bit at the end into some different continuities. Like, what what at what point in the mythology are we dropping in? A lot of questions to be answered. I mean, to your point, I think the thing, it wasn't a direct continuation, but you had Batman the Animated Series grew into Superman the Animated Series and then Justice League and the Justice League United. So... You have this thing that grew bigger and bigger as it went. <clears throat> what stories would they tell? What would it become? You know, you already had Batman Beyond in the same kind of universe. So is it just more Batman the Animated Series stories? Is it something new and fresh? What's happening? Well, um, I think the, the the thing that people, to distill it down, what everyone loves about that is that Batman that's a little fun. It has a sense of humor. The stories are really smart and they were like true, like standalone stories for the most part where there was like, they read like sort of short, like Oh Henry short stories or like really good short stories where there were like emotional beats, twists and really landed the ending. Yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, this is the first time I'm hearing about it is this question right here, but it kind of seems like a no brainer. Like they're truly trying to flesh out, the DC side of HBO Max. They finally got all the Batman, the animated series stuff over from DC Universe. Now the TV stuff is shutting down there. Um, so they have stuff out there. Doing another season of it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know anything about it, but I would not be surprised if they announced that. All right. Let's, we'll be a little surprised, but not too surprised because we already know about it. There you exactly. go. Uh, so thank you, Bandito740, for being the consummate journalist that you are. You're one of our sources, Bandito, when yeah. we're journalists and you're a source. So, and we like, don't ever Bandito name is kind of like our deep throat, I think. And Whoa. when it comes to Batman specifically, yes. Or in Pete's, case, in Pete's case, deep butt. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Uh, Kevin, 
<laughs> Kevin says, what are some of your favorite non-Marvel, sorry, bub, comics created or set in Canada? What's some of your favorite Canadian content from other media? Scott Pilgrim! Wow. Just <laughs> wow. that out there. Wow. Before you guys say it, Scott Pilgrim, go ahead. Um, wow, great stuff. Uh, my The first thing that jumps to mind is, is the... Um, the short series that Brian K. Vaughn did about the um, water wars that oh, took yeah, place in Canada. Um, I forget the name of it, but it was very good. And it was very Canadian. Pete? Yeah, I, I got nothing. Um, you know, Alpha Flight doesn't count, so I'm fucked on that. And you guys took me <laughs> too. Alpha Flight. Uh, come on. What uh, you oh, we stand on guard is the name of the Brian Kavon series. Oh, yeah. uh, but um, Pete, think about it. you're you're from near the Canadian border, so surely, <laughs> surely some of those polar vortexes have brought what's, you. To... Uh, what's DC version of Alpha Flight? I mean, I'm sure they have one. Every popular series from Marvel was ripped off by DC at some point, so they have to have something Canadian. Pete. Uh... I don't know what the Mounties, something like that. The Mountie verse. I don't know. Why don't we go back over to YouTube (laughs) for more? Uh, Oh, this is uh, from Sarah Schottmuller. This isn't a question, but I've seriously enjoyed listening to Pete Busher my name the past two months. (laughs) That's That's hilarious. Thank you, Sarah. I hope it did it a little better. Uh, Jason Williams asks, when can we expect the award-winning Riverdale After Dark pod? I'm so excited to hear that creepy intro music again. Tell you what, Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Did you say Wednesday? Wednesday. Number Wednesday. Number uh, you're just trying to come back for the Sarah Schottmuller thing is what you're doing, yeah. Pete. Yeah. But uh, if you listen closely, Pete, you can hear how it's pronounced. Yes. Uh, Riverdale After Dark, a Riverdale podcast. Riverdale is coming back uh, as we're taping this Wednesday, January 20th. At 8 p.m., our podcast episode, Breaking Down, I think it was our one of our longest ones ever. I could be wrong. We had a lot to say. Yes. Yeah. And we will continue to have a lot to say. Absolutely. But that's going up right after the episode ends, uh, so that'll be up. And it is fun to talk about that show again, I'll tell you what. Yes. Oh, uh, this is from Joe. What are your favorite comic stories from the Golden and Silver Age? And if you don't have any, don't know of any, what's holding you back? Wow. Whoa. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I've said this on the show before, but I, I well, I don't think I have it here. It was at my parents' house growing up. My dad had this mega omnibus. It seemed very large when I was a kid of Superman stories from every decade. Uh, And there were like it was just like two or three random issues from every decade in one book. And I loved it. It was just so much fun to read and like see Clark Kent move from I'm a print journalist to I'm on the radio now and now I'm on TV. And for whatever reason, those were the issues they chose for the book. But um, that was a delight. I know that's not specifically a story, but just seeing Superman throughout the ages is something that I definitely hold very special for me. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Superman stories where he, his powers are still sort of like whatever somebody thought of that day um, are okay. is very funny. And all the Jimmy Olsen incarnations from the Silver Age are oh, wild. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw it out to uh, Thor, the Thor comics. I also have only ever read giant uh, collected editions. The I forget what they're called, like the but the huge books that Marvel puts out. Yeah, the black and white ones that are. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and Thor is just one of those characters that 
those stories were got to be weird. I mean, the Silver Age is all about yeah milestones. Uh, thank you, Ben the Border Collie. The, um, the you could be way so much weirder back then because um, I mean everyone was uh, doing drugs and no one was paying much, as much attention. So the stories could go in any direction, and I love that free freestyle. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember uh, when we had uh, Bob uh, from DC on, and we would do dramatic readings of the old. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, that was just uh, Robert was his name, uh, but it was just one of those things where um, I figured that out. Cool, cool, cool. Bob is short. Yeah, I know. I just you know, my brain's weird. Anyways, uh, yeah, some of those. Uh, collections like he would be in charge of like collecting different stuff and he would put together some just insane stuff uh, from yeah. back in the day and it was really crazy there's a lot of weird wonder woman stuff that i feel bad is out there well, the other- i did a i did a okay. paper um in i want to say high school about um the comics code and um uh, wortham and all that sort of anti-comic stuff and they cited so much of uh wonder woman just getting accidentally tied up a lot like she had a rope and she kept ending up around her as opposed to everybody else uh it was wild what they uh, got away with that i know i feel like we're sticking with a lot of dc here but i do have uh, this book of batman in the 1940s that is so weird and so much fun to read it does actually have every issue in order for a certain period of time uh at like I think if I remember correctly, it's the first issue of Batman. The second uh, story has the Joker in it. It introduces the Joker and he was supposed to die at the end. And there's just this one tiny paddle in of him being taken away in an ambulance. And originally it was like, well, he died. They changed the dialogue to, I think he's alive because they realized he was popular. There you go. Now is it. Yaquin Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, I said that right. Don't yep. don't call me on it. Uh nope. I Wonder Woman says, Echoing. I wonder if the basis of Marvel Comics is that every hero or villain is in some way related or intimately connected to every other hero and villain, then what is the basis of DC comics? Mm. Interesting. I mean, first of all, do you agree with that premise about Marvel comics? That sorry, say it again. Uh okay. So, I like that you went, mm, I wasn't listening. Uh, I wonder if the basis of Marvel Comics is that every hero or villain is in some way related or intimately connected to every other hero or villain. Then what is the basis of DC Comics? I'm sorry, could you read that again? No, shut up. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's 100% true in the Marvel uh, Comics world. I do think the idea is that there's much more of a humanity to Marvel Comics. So in that way, everyone is connected because there's a little bit more of shared experience and more of an emotional base in uh, the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and, and I know that, uh, like in the comments, there are definitely connections made. I think that's more of a function of the length of continuity where it's like, well, let's make these people related so we can see them again or whatever. And I think the difference over in DC is it's much more myth based. It's much, there's less humanity. There's a a big difference. That's why I feel like this secret identity is such a laid upon thing in the DC universe because it's gods masquerading as people. Mm -hmm. Um, When in the Marvel universe, it's people who have powers. It's deep, bro. I mean, I think that's the correct answer. I don't really have anything to add to it. I, I 100% agree. Good job, Justin. 
That's yeah, right. I just needed to, I just needed to hear it one that one little extra time. <laughs> uh, I feel like there's a question for if anybody it's going to be Pete. Uh, this is from Scott Carpenter. Any word from Boothman Prime? Is he doing okay? Uh, so this I, is, and I just want to give context for people who are new to the show listening online or anything like that. Back in the before times, we used to do this live in a theater. Mm. I mean, Boothman Prime was the guy running our tech in the booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete, take it away. Uh, yeah, he's doing good. Um, he misses us. He senses love. He uh, He's plugging away, doing different stuff. But uh, unfortunately, without a live show, we can't, you know. But we should have him on as a guest. We should. He knows comics. He loves comics. He'd love to talk about Pete, it. Write him. We'll have him on. We'll, All do right. it. we'll set it up. CC me on the email. No, that's you know what? And I want you BCC me if possible. <laughs> no, I don't want. To I want to be there, much. but just like a little, like under the radar. You know what I mean? How about we put you on the first email and then we move you to BCC? Oh, that's a that's the move. That's the that's the pro move. Uh, this and, is from Pete's. Go ahead. Nope, that's it. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Pete's Punisher Slipper says, I watched the trailer for Willie's Wonderland starring Nicolas Cage, which led me to wonder, is there room in your hearts for Cage in the MCU? If not, is Johnny Blaze maybe another character? Mm. What do you think? Nicolas Cage, MCU? Um, do we want more of him in the MCU? Because the Ghost Rider uh, just obviously disavowed. I mean, we all love the first movie. We all love the second Ghost Rider movie. <laughs> yeah. But would we love a third Ghost Rider movie? That's no. my question. I think what throw him in what's a villain? What's a good villain he could play? Yeah, I mean he would have to be a villain. I feel like though he would I don't know. I'm of two minds of this because I feel like he would chew up the scenery too much because that's the mode he's in. But also it feels like he is maybe heading towards a place where he's like Hey, maybe I don't want to do everything anymore. <laughs> maybe I it does look. feel that way. Yeah. Well, it doesn't. He have a movie coming out where he's he's playing himself. There's some kind of uh, very strange movie coming out with him, like playing himself in some sort of uh, universe. What are you talking about? The history of swear words thing that he's doing? No, no that's that's <laughs> not a movie. Himself. And he is. He just is himself. He's host. It's called hosting. That's what we do. Yeah. Oh, weird. That is weird. Um, what about? I feel like he needs to be some sort of like contemplative uh, villain that uh, is sort of angsty. Um, maybe he could be like a null, uh, very topical. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I worry that he's weirdly too over the top for the MCU. You know? Wow, that's quite a thing to say. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, I mean, over the comments on YouTube, Matt Grotsky says Mandy was awesome, which, granted, I have not seen, but I've heard is fantastic. Um, so I don't know. I mean, maybe like Blade, throw him in Blade somehow as some sort of character. That seems like that might be fun. I mean, haven't we got, we had Steven Dorff. Like, aren't yeah, we, like, uh, isn't he like Lightning like Cage? He's like the rich man Steven Dorff. Exactly. There's a lineage between Dorf and Cage. Uh, totally. Uh, all right. That won't light up any comment- commenters. <laughs> uh, ooh, Ben the Border Collie asks, uh, which is each of you all's biggest sellout moments? Feel free to answer for each other. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ben, really uh, asking for it. Oh, man. Biggest I, sellout moments. You, you mean today or, or because <laughs> I'm ready to sell out? This industry is a sellout industry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Biggest sellout moment. 
I'm trying to think of something truly awful that I've been a part of. I mean, I can tell you this has nothing to do with Comic Book Club necessarily, but uh, with my sketch comedy group, Elephant Larry, back in the day, we had this dude who, like, way early in our careers was like, hey, I'm going to sign you. I want to put you on this touring show. We're going to go all over the country, but I don't like your fucking name, Elephant Larry. We got to call you something else. And this is back in like the days of boy bands. And he was like, what if we called you Blowtown? Whoa. What? Blowtown? Blowtown. Like O-Town, but Blowtown. And we were like, that's the worst name possible. It's terrible. And granted, like, we got, we just sort of like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, over the night where he, like, gave us drinks and tried to wind us and dine us. And then we got out of there and we were like, what the fuck is happening? You could have uh, been Blowtown, buddy. We could have been Blowtown. We actually have a picture of us all uh, blowing some beer bottles that we took as our promotional picture. Wait, did you do it? No, 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 no. We didn't do it. So it's not actually a sellout moment, but, like, that's definitely the closest we came to anything because he was offering a crazy amount of money. And I will say this guy went out to be insanely successful with Vegas shows doing variety acts, like made a ludicrous amount of money. Wait, you, so you turned him down? We turned him down. Yeah. Oh my God. What a huge mistake. (laughs) (laughs) You could be Blowtown. We could be Blowtown right now. I would have never had to do this fucking podcast. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, our biggest sellout moment is hopefully tomorrow when someone calls us to sell out. <laughs> In a second. In a second. Look, I'm looking so right here. I can beat Pete half of Pete's face. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you guys have a sellout moment as well or close to sellout? Moment? I just can't believe you could have been Blowtown and Blowtown. that would have this madness would have never happened. You could have saved us all. Uh, Peace Punisher Slippers wants to know, did he offer you cocaine? He did not, but there were definitely people in his apartment doing cocaine. Wow. That's, you were, you could have gotten You went back to his place? I could have gotten some if I wanted it. Uh, that's definitely. That's the spirit. I mean, I've worked on a lot of um, TV shows that are not um, uh, artistic in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked on a show, I think I talked about this um, uh, a couple Halloweens ago, I did a show called Ghost Adventures Live, where I was the live uh, script writer for the host. It was a four-hour show where the hosts went into their own haunted house and um, w- tried to open an object that were they were really scared of. Like, re- they were really scared of it. And that was um, technically selling out. But it's fun <laughs> to be in Vegas. Pete, do you have one? Uh, no, one time I was doing a sketch show in LA and an agent called me, uh, and was like, oh man, you were really funny in that sketch show. I'd love to represent you. Would you shave your goatee? And I was like, no, I would never shave my goatee. Yeah. I hung up on him and my friend who's driving the car, she pulled the fuck over and was like, why do you think we're doing this? What are you doing? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's like, crazy, lost. Pete. I will say that that is the most Pete thing to not shave your goatee. <laughs> Something that literally any actor does at any time. Yeah. And you're like, shave my goatee. I don't think so. No very, amount of money. Very attached to my goatee at the time. Oh my God. That's 
That's crazy. Uh, this is from Edward Doherty. In the spirit of Disney's Marvel's WandaVision and the appropriation of the Dick Van Dyke show, what comic characters should be transposed into other classic TV shows? Mm. I, I just would, would like to say, though, I've never received a call from an agent since then. Yeah, that agent told all the other ones, like, hey, this dude, this dude loves his goatee. <laughs> How about Wolverine in a cheer style show? Ooh, nice. Yeah, he's yeah. Norm. Yeah. He's more of a Cliff Clavin type, I think. Yeah, they'd be like, James Howlett. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was going to throw it out for a um, a Brady Bunch with Power Pack. All right, I can see that. Put him, put him in there with if uh, the mom from Power Pack marries Reed Richards. Put him mm-hmm. in with all those kids. Let's do it. Pete, you got one? I would say X-Babies, but it's uh, X-Babies A-Team mashup. You wouldn't go X-Babies Muppet Babies? (laughs) No, no. A-Team X-Babies, that's what it would be. That's a truly random thing to say. (laughs) Why why the babies? What would you think like B-A would be like? For ratings, that's why. Get those babies in the back of the band. That's right. Give them a gun and cigar. Let's see what they can do. Uh, and this is probably a good time to mention we're doing, uh, we mentioned this at a previous live show, but we are doing a Marvel MCU TV podcast that we kicked off. Uh, Marvel Vision, it's in its own feed. We're also throwing some of the episodes in the comic book club feed. We talked about the first two episodes of WandaVision. The third episode is coming on Friday, so you can check that out. And we're going to be going weekly thereafter. And uh, that's been a lot of fun to talk about. So fun. Right, Pete? Yeah, I mean, once we got past that first episode, yeesh! Uh, Stray Bullet says, if you could have dinner with any hero or hero super team, who would you dine with? Mm, Good question. Hero or hero team. Interesting. Dinner Mm. with Dr. Doom. Whoa, (laughs) that would be your last one. He, He eats well. And I'd love to see what the Latverian cuisine is. I want to see the Anthony Bourdain episode, RIP, where he goes to Latveria and just samples the local. See, I keep thinking about people you wouldn't want to have dinner with. Like Dr. Doom, I feel like it would be bad because you'd probably be killed at the end. Mm -hmm. Spider Man would be bad because he'd never show up. He'd show up late and then he'd have to leave. That would be you? Are you dating these people that you're talking about? I mean, yes. I mean, my immediate thought was Kitty Pride. That would be- oh, you're the worst. <laughs> now, let me yeah, ask you, Alex. This is a good. Yes. Now, what's up? As Kitty Pride does not age, sure. she has aged some, and you continue to age. At what point are you going to be like, I feel weird saying this? I mean, here's the thing. That's what I love about comic characters, man. <laughs> I keep getting older oh and they keep the same age. You are so creepy. You set me up. You I did set, set you up. up so man. creepy. And that it, it, when you're in Blowtown, you got to land a joke. <laughs> oh man! Never would have made it Blowtown. You can't walk away from a setup. I mean, eventually, Alex, you have to be like Aunt May. I can't wait to go on a date with Aunt May because I'm old now. She's a widow. I don't know if you know that. Oh my god! So really? <laughs> yeah. Do you um, find that very turn? I say it. I would have dinner with Jean Grey and Cyclops and Wolverine. And I would be like, Great, please explain to me what you see in this asshole. Why are you dating him? Explain Wait, so 
you would have dinner with the three people who are fucking in the mood and very coquettishly say, what do you see in this asshole? <laughs> again, again, that's the wrong tube. Uh, and it's, it's, it's very funny to me, Pete, that you the question seems to be in the spirit of like culinary, like what, who, who are you sitting down for a meal with? And you're like, I'm going to go solve these fuckers problems. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, try- I'm here to help, man. I can't wait till we have dinner eventually again. <laughs> I would love if they were real and you tried to do that because you'd come on the next podcast and just be sobbing <laughs> like i had yeah. sex with all of them yeah. what on the oh, moon <laughs> on the moon it was very beautiful i saw the earth rise and i was like one sixth uh my weight because of gravity <laughs> of the light gravitational pull of the moon I think Emma Frost came in at one point, but I'm not. Oh sure. my God, what is happening? He is the best he is at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't just have three claws, if you know what I mean. <laughs> ben, uh, the border collie is right. I'd love to hug it out with the Punisher and just be like, yo, man, it's okay, man. Still not dinner, though. Uh, Joe says, would Pete sell out for a million dollars of the caveat because he could never punch Nat Townsend? No way. Ooh. Not worth it. Not for a million dollars? That would Pete. change so much in your life, Pete. You see this fist? It's going to well, connect. Well, how about this? It's going to connect with his face and nothing can stop it. I don't care how many COVIDs are out there. This is coming for you, Nat. <laughs> the All deal? the COVIDs in the world can't keep this from happening, Nat. I believe yeah. it was a stomach punch. Uh, ben the Border Collie beat no, me to it. Would it's you shave punch. right now to punch Nat? <laughs> no, I wouldn't shave for anybody. Mm. Interesting. So you have a weird hierarchy, and I look forward to unraveling it over the rest of our lives. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, it is time to move on to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Finally. <laughs> Finally, let's give Pete a chance to say something weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of the Midtown Comics online gift card who would like $25 a simple raising of the hand either on the tube or in the crowdcast yeah just say me you can do it on youtube uh you can do it on crowdcast whoever wants it just let us know and you're basically gonna walk away with 25 bucks that's right yeah but you have to talk to pete very intensely for a short time time. joe nominates stray bullet stray bullet do you want to come into the feed Wow. Ooh. Oh, double nomination. This double is double nomination. I'm hesitant to pull somebody. Oh, <laughs> says, I'm out. dealing with this. Let's do it. I uh, say got, bring it. Well, no, we got Boy Racer UK over on YouTube, says me. Okay. So All right. your choice. Let's go with the Boy Racer. Stray Bullet, good luck with the child. All right. So, Boy Racer, you're on it since you're on YouTube. You're on a little bit of a delay. So, we're going to vamp very. Very casually. I don't Again, think you, we're professionals. You're not even going to notice that we're vamping or anything. Oh, exactly. man. Uh, but just drop your answer in the comments. Uh, and Pete, take it away. Okay. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and oh, a God. small nod to the legend Fred Willard. <laughs> Here we go. Question number one. You're saying it now. What crossover is getting a sequel? Is it A... Transformers and My Little Pony, B, Muppets and Magnum P.I., or is it C, Mike Epps? So it's either A, and that is correct, or you could be completely wrong. 
Interesting. So wait, what was it in Magnum PI again? Muppets, Muppets and oh. Magnum PI. I gotta tell you, Pete, that sounds good. It would be great. Can you imagine? It would, not Muppet Babies? Again, yeah. you're really leaving the Muppet Babies out of your uh, lifestyle right now. Which Muppet specifically would wear a Hawaiian shirt and have a mustache, do you think? <laughs> Kermit? Oh, Kermit? Fo- Ga- is it, is it, oh, is it Fozzie? An a. an a, is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, yes. All right. Clearly, Fozzie's the one wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, he's, yeah. he's practically doing it now. Fozzie right. PI, there you go. Here we go. Question number two. Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman are leaving what comic after milestone issue number 200? Is it A, Venom, B, Spawn, or is it C, Lark Voorhees? This is a really tough question because they're only writing one of those titles. That's right. And one of them is a person. I do think they're ghostwriting Lark Voorhees of Saved by the Bell fame. Yeah, yes. uh, in case you didn't get the hint, you would want to say A here. Uh, speaking of which, did you guys hear Steve by the Bell got picked up for season two by Peacock? Have you Very guys watched excited. that yet? Uh, no, but I have it on so deck. Good. Yeah, So good. I'm so hesitant to say anybody needs to pick up another streaming service, but if you can get a free trial of Peacock, check out Saved by the Bell. So funny, so good, so well done. I, I was very surprised. I've seen the original truly every episode yeah. hundreds of times. Any comment there, uh, Zubs? Uh, a, and is that Screech? Uh, Lark Voorhees is not Screech. That's Dustin Diamond. Great guess. Yeah. Uh, here we go. A is correct. Moving on. Last one. Bink Foundation and Blank are helping comic book retailers during this time of need. What is the other thing that is helping during this time is it a marvel b hero initiative or is it c method man so it's either a which don't pick it marvel's not really helping or is it b the hero initiative uh, uh, we'll have to find out. uh kevin also is picking elevating the quiz challenge and he's picking your third answer before you even say it and he did it correctly by predicting Ooh, yeah, we got a B. Is B correct B is correct all right thank you nice. UK congratulations you've won $25 gift card to Midtown Comics shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com and we will get that off to you thank you so much for playing all right folks as yes, we all uh, know tomorrow wait, wait. Is- what what's up? Oh, the secret movie. Yeah, the secret movie. Kevin says, uh, "How high is the secret that, movie?" That how is high? correct because I wanted to give a shout out to Fred Willard, and he was great in How High. And there is no better Fred Willard movie I can think of than. Oh, well, there's high. a lot of them. I there's believe a he's lot known. Of how high? That's the only one. He's known specifically for that movie, I think. As we all know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day, uh, unless, of course, you're DC Comics, in which case. They're already out. They're already Already out here. Uh, already what here. What are you guys looking forward to? What do you want to check out? Justin, let's start with Ooh. you. Oh, real twist. Twist. We're just trying uh, to shake it up a little bit. Yeah, it's about time. Um, yeah. I'm going to give a, just a shout out um, to Black Cat, uh, King in Black number two. Uh, very excited to check that out. Um, but we've already talked so much about that. Um, so I want to um, shout out Rain like hammers oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. number one uh by a guy named brandon graham who you may remember back from the book profit um that i really enjoyed um once they 
they took the character that I believe Rob Liefeld created and took it into a psychedelic space situation, which was awesome. And Brandon Graham was a big part of that. This book looks like it's going to continue that type of storytelling. And uh, well, great. it's too bad we won't have any other time to talk about that book. So it yeah, is a shame. It's actually going to be on our stack podcast. Oh, great news. The news. I wish I read the newsletter. Yeah, there you go. Pete, what about uh, you? Once and Future, number 15. And You Look Like Death, uh, Tales from Umbrella Academy, number five of six. Uh, I'm looking forward to Future State Immortal Wonder Woman, number one. Uh, that is one that I feel like, I mean, we're going to talk about that out of the stack, but that's one that I certainly was anticipating as we don't know what Wonder Woman's fate is after Dark Knight's Death Metal. I'm curious to check that out because it is so far in the future. It does feel like one that potentially does connect more to that title than the other Future State titles, but Mm. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I guess we'll just see. I guess we'll just see. I Uh, guess. We'll just We'll just see. See. Also, great, great backup story in that as well. I mean, who knows? I we guess we actually know do because it's out today, so it's fine. Yeah, I guess, exactly. I don't I know guess we'll, it's not a big deal. I <laughs> yeah. guess we'll just see, uh, folks. That is it for the show. Bunch of stuff to plug as we wrap up here. First of all, thank you to our guest, uh, Jim McKay. Check out thank Black you. Cat King in Black. Uh, also, Jim Zub. Check out Conan the Barbarian, which is coming back very soon. Next week, Fred Van Lenti and Ryan Dunlaver are going to be here. Oh. The comic book history of animation, which has been awesome. Such a great book. We have not checked it out. And we have so many podcasts coming away. Riverdale After Dark, List as mentioned, them. coming back Wednesday nights at 9 Stop. p.m. Umbrella Academy, Pod Academy, uh, coming back on Thursdays. We have a bunch of uh, episodes tied up. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast tied yeah. to WandaVision, is coming out on Fridays. Next one's coming out Friday at 4 a.m. And then Get up early. A little later. We'll see what happens. American Godcaster, American Gods podcast, also coming out on Sundays right now. Uh, we're getting ahead on that. Patreon.com slash Comic Book Club. Support the show and all the other shows that we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen at Comic Book Live on Twitter. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> So grab your grim hammer, don't be late for it, cause they're good friends, can barely tolerate it, come and back, come and back, come and back, come and back, At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.